We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. to Pacers Podcast, Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and joining me is the very disappointed Michael J. Focci. The Pacers lose 155-104. to Focci, what a tragedy of a game. I don't think I'm the only one that's disappointed. I think the whole fan base was after this one. This this was a tough game from start to finish. I want to say it was maybe 4-2. to two. In favor of the Celtics. After that, I, I didn't feel good about it. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> it ended up being a 51-point loss. I said to you just before we started, I said, Alex, this has to be the worst loss that we have ever recorded after. Um, I, I can't think of a beating this bad. This is actually the second biggest loss point differential-wise in Pacers franchise history. 
The first it. was they lost to Golden State 150-91 previously. I forget what year it is. I looked it up as we're talking. But it was um, definitely one of those games where you're like, okay, are they going to get to 50? That was back in 1976-1977, okay. Fachi. So that was, you know, however many years ago that was. So we're talking long a long time ago since the Pacers have lost like this. Now they've had some other losses. Back in 1920, they lost by 46 to Toronto, 127 to 81 in Toronto, February 23rd, 2020. So that was one that was kind of familiar to me a little bit off the top of my head. But this was just unbelievable to watch. You even think, okay, I'm going to watch the fourth quarter. Maybe we can just lose by just like less than 40. I I was a less than 50 guy. I honestly, there's something about once it hits 50 that you're like, whoa, like, now yeah. this is going to be talked about everywhere. Like this is where we make the highlights for all the wrong reasons. And then everybody talks about, you know, Boston in a different type of light. Now here's the thing. Boston on a night like tonight does deserve to be talked about in a different light because you saw coming into this game, they're starting five average, the most points in the league. They actually average 102 points per game. And it showed the difference that while we might be playing in the NBA, we are playing in a different league than the Boston Celtics. Those That's a team that has absolute championship or bust aspirations. And for the Pacers tonight, it just looked like we did not belong. Yeah, I mean, Jason Tatum, 27 minutes, 30 points. He was averaging more than a point a minute. Was a walking bucket, 9 of 15 from the floor, 12 rebounds, 4 assists. He looked like an MVP. He was a plus 36 yeah. for the night. So... That was the best plus minus per ESPN stats of the game, which is just shocking to me. It's just like you watched it. You thought, okay, in the first quarter, the paces were hanging around a little bit. It was about nine tennis points away. You thought, okay, maybe something they could just hang on long enough to make a game out of this. Nah, no chance. The Celtics in the first quarter going on a nine to two run, knocking down three threes in like just over a minute. And it's just like, okay. When it was 44-27, you just felt like it's going to be one of those nights, and it kept getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, it had, because I talked about it with you last time, that through the first two games, the Pacers were giving up like 37 points per game the first quarter, and I was like, oh, that is so bad. And then tonight, they give up 44 points. I mean, Boston, I just felt that they got everything they wanted. I believe in the first quarter they shot 16 of 21 Mm. from the field. They were not missing from three-point land. And the crazy thing is that the Pacers were shooting good from the field as well. I mean, this is a Pacers team that actually shot 50% by halftime, but they let Boston shoot 55%. They let Boston go 10 of 17 from three. I just felt that. Everything looked way too easy for the Celtics tonight. And I get it. This was a game that there was no Tyrese Halliburton out there. How is that going to help you defensively, though? There's no excuse about that. Jalen Smith didn't play either. There's no way Jalen Smith is making a a 51-point difference in this game. The Boston Celtics looked phenomenal tonight. And the Indiana Pacers, you know, I found myself after a little bit just kind of hoping for, you know, some small things like, all right, when do we get a look at the Rooks or can we cut it below 50 or, you know, is there anything I can hang my hat on in this game? And we'll get to some of those things later on. Looking at the team stats, Faji, it's just it's just mind boggling. But 
I'm going to throw this one out at you. The the Celtics, they outscored the Pacers from the three-point line by 45 points. Well, Indiana whoa. made a total of five threes. They attempted 37 of them. 13.6% from the field for your Indiana Pacers. Boston was 20 of 35 for 57%. Then you go to the free throw line. Boston, 27 of 28, 96.4% from the line, Indiana just 7 of 12. So they outscored us by 45 from three and 20 from the free throw line. It's a combined 65-point differential plus there for the Celtics in those two categories. You know, I never thought I'd see the day, but the Pacers actually outscored the Celtics in this one by 18 points uh, in the points in the paint category. So, Indiana had 70 of their 104 points in the paint, but they still jacked up 37 threes. <laughs> and I mean, it was just every shot, every shot they took, it was just in and out. I mean, some of them were just bad misses, but some were just good looks. They just couldn't get them to fall. It's like, you know, they talked about it after the Bulls game. Like, yeah, you miss shots sometimes. Well, that Bulls game just stings even a little bit more now because you knew the Boston game was going to be tough. You knew Halliburton wasn't going to play like you said. You thought, okay, probably chalking this up as a loss. Let's see what we can do. It's like, no, we just got completely embarrassed. Thank God that wasn't the game on national television because I think we play the Celtics oh, my on God. national TV in January. We better hope that don't happen again. And that's a really good point because we're only getting one on yeah. national television against Boston. If that had been the game, I'm sorry, but when we talk about asking for respect amongst the league – that would have been probably one of the only things that people remember about the Pacers this year. So, yes, thankfully that was not the national televised game. But adding up the three points, uh, you know, uh, made and taken over the last two games, Pacers are 17 of 83 from three-point land over the last two games. It's about mm. 20%. And, uh, you know, obviously even the 20%, that's better than what they shot tonight. So, not good from three-point land. I do think, you know, if you were going to rest Tyrese Halliburton for a game, you, you picked the right game because I, I just don't think anything would have been different. But, Alex, there's, there's a couple different things to look at. We had 31 rebounds. The Boston Celtics had 58 rebounds. They nearly doubled the Pacers in a game where our leading rebounder was T.J. McConnell with seven. T.J. McConnell had seven, and the second highest was Miles Turner with five. That yeah. can't happen. Well, I mean, part of the problem is we couldn't hit anything, yeah. and we were taking the ball out of the net. I mean, there weren't even that many turnovers from the Pacers. So, No, that's the part of the one thing that they did the best. They had nine turnovers in this yeah. game, which is usually, a, honestly, one of the, a winning recipe right there. Yeah. But. To have nine turnovers and lose by 51, you just know that just about everything else went wrong. Yeah, it was just one of those games where it's like you find yourself laughing at the end of it because what else can yeah. you do? You know what I mean? Like It's just like every single number statistic-wise is just bad. And it's like they're just egregious numbers too. It's like, okay, how are we going to talk about this and, and have fun with it? That's That's the main goal here. It's like we're trying to do these game recaps, but it's like this point the recap is – even without Tyrese Halliburton, like you said, we are in a different league than the yes. Boston Celtics. At the end of the day, no matter how hard this Pacers team plays, they're just not going to be there talent-wise with Boston. I will say this. Quinn Buckner, 
it was funny because he was talking about Aaron Neesmith when he actually fouled Kristaps Porzingis going up for a dunk. We were down by like 21, 31 points at that point. I can't remember what it was. I think it was close to 31. And he was like, you got to love that effort. (laughs) Just like, you know, like at at this point, like, yeah, it is nice to see a guy out there trying, but at the same time, you're down by 30 some points. I feel bad for the broadcast. Just a rough night trying to carry that uh, in, in terms of, being entertaining while watching exactly. such a rough basketball game and also trying to be positive because it would have been easy to just kind of lay it on there and you know those those are the games that are a bit tough for uh for Quinn and Chris to call but man it just there, there's, there's something about this game that just felt like all right you know what after a while I, I think by half I mean honestly the the Celtics outscore the Pacers in two quarters compared to what the Celtics did in th- uh what the Pacers just did three the Celtics had I want to say 75 points by halftime Pacers had less than that they had 71 uh through three quarters so this was a game you just knew was over and to speak about what you mentioned about like trying to be a little bit positive look for something Obi Toppin had an alley-oop at one point and I started tweeting out and almost it was sent out I was like Obi Toppin from you know from outer space and then I was like don't tweet that you know some people they're, they're just gonna rip me apart on on Twitter because what what does it cut it to 49 like it was just one of those where you're like ah there's really not many performances you could say yeah look this guy played great or anything like I'm looking at it right now Obi Toppin's a minus 41 which is on paper it looks awful to see but it's not like you know there's plenty of other guys like TJ McConnell was a minus 29 and he had the best stat line on the team no one was going to have a good plus minus in this game so it's a stat that you could in this game probably kind of throw out the window a little bit because it's not like anyone had a a positive plus minus no matter what the score was yeah the the only takeaways you can have from this are like okay what did we get to see with our reserves you know like you said Ben Shepard Jairus Walker I, I I think this was both their first career baskets tonight it was it was and Jairus Walker I think was his a layup he had, he had a layup to start he put a okay. good move you know put it on the ground a little yeah. bit had a little bit of a, kind of like a crossover scored got, got a, yep exactly got a block right after that honestly yes he was definitely like basket hunting in the fourth quarter because look the game's out of reach why not yeah. go for it why not he was aggressive and I, honestly I loved what I saw he finished fourth six for eight points played the whole fourth quarter he had two rebounds he had three assists one was to Ben Shepard getting involved he got Obi Toppin involved and I mentioned that block so I thought that on a night where obviously it's hard to say because those minutes those minutes weren't meaningful but he looked good out there at least offensively of like hey he was that ball was going the hoop yeah Ben Shepard had two threes tonight Mm -hmm. it's hilarious to to say this but the Pacers had five total threes made. Ben hey, Shepard had forty percent of the made threes for the Pacers. Do a four shooting. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he didn't shoot the ball bad. I, I think Jarris Walker came in, and it was interesting to see him kind of play a little uh, small ball five next to Obi Toppin, mm-hmm. while Isaiah Jackson was on the bench for this moment to give him some rest. I, I kind of liked seeing that wrinkle a little bit, and I felt like their offense was a little more fun to watch when we saw that. Now, that's not a great takeaway, but I was like. I want to go back and look at the numbers and just see what they did. Yeah. Like it was bad. I mean, they gave up a ton of points in the fourth quarter, so I'm sure there's nothing great to take away from that. But no. 46 points in the fourth it's, it's, because it's be tough. because I will say this: like 
it intrigues me more to think about Jarris Walker playing a small ball five than to see Isaiah Jackson play a third string center minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, like, I agree with you there. I just feel like Jarris is more skilled, can switch one through or not one through, but at least like three through five. You feel comfortable with that. I'd say three through five. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and he's a better rebounder in my opinion. Might not be the same shot blocker, but I just feel like he's more active. I'd personally rather see Jarris out there than Isaiah Jackson. If that's what we, what it comes down to, but it all depends upon the matchup too. I just, you know, Isaiah had some okay moments in this game, but you know, still a learning process for him as well. And all these young guys just trying to get themselves figured out, but you know, wasn't a great night for Jordan Mora as many minutes as he's got Mm -hmm. felt like he couldn't find the ocean when he was shooting. No, he couldn't. And like, he's still someone that I root for, but so far I just feel like he puts so much pressure on himself when he gets in these games to be like, I, I gotta score. I gotta score. Yeah, and it's, fair. it's just, it's just not working out so far. I mean, two of eight tonight in 21 minutes, three turnovers. He, he had three assists, but at this point it was just like, oh man, you know, who, who cares? I, I just feel like against Washington, he did the same thing. He was two of seven in six minutes. So when he gets in there, he is aggressively putting up shots. He's four of 15 in two games. I mean, 15 shots in, in 27 minutes for Jordan. Um, obviously, that feels like a lot. And, yeah, you can't blame him because when he comes in there, the game is out of reach. Yeah. But, man, I it, just to go back to Ajax real quick, you know, obviously it's it's not sexy or so, but I, I thought that he he played you know decent today. You, know, you talked about it. He had four blocks, four blocks. It was good to see four blocks to one foul is, yeah. is something that I thought, thought was good. The baskets that he scored, I thought Buddy healed. I, I remember at least two of them. Buddy set him up. Some of the easiest baskets you'll ever get in your life. It was good to just see Ijax, you know, flush it. It's not like he was really putting the ball you know on the, on the floor, making any moves or anything. It was just standard, you know, standard dunks. So. I think that it's uh, it's a game that you went okay, all right. You know what? He didn't he didn't hurt the Pacers out there compared to how they were already being hurt. But one yeah. thing that I do want to bring up is Alex. If Daniel Tice isn't gonna play in a fifty-one point blowout against his old team, when with Jalen Smith out, when do you see Daniel Tice seeing the court? I will say this: He had the best plus minus of anybody on the Pacers. He team. did absolutely. <laughs> Only guy to not give up a basket. Yeah, I mean it's 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 tough. I mean, I wouldn't expect him to play in a blowout like this anyway. It might be a little bit more disrespectful to play him in a game like this. You know what I mean? You want to give Jarris and Isaiah time to get minutes in there when they're usually not getting it. You're trying to develop and see what you have. I did like them experimenting a little bit with Obi in the fourth quarter. Instead of going, because they could have went to Tice there. That's when they could have went to it when they, they definitely took Isaiah could out. But I think out of respect, that was part of it. Not saying like, oh, here's the 14th man on our roster. That's our 13th man that's active tonight. Yeah, He's not going to play. You know, I don't know. I don't think he would have done much of anything either to really change the trajectory yeah. of this game. Not at all. Maybe he comes in there and is kind of an enforcer for a little bit in the second quarter and things go a little different. I don't, I doubt that though. I just... To this point, I really don't know what his value is. It, it's, it's, it's a great point right there, and, and I'm definitely go on. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not trying to take away too many talking points here for us, but I just feel like if they're not going to play him whatsoever, 
obviously they do want to move off of him to to do right by him because you got four centers now with him on the roster. So find a place to put him where he, you can trade him and, and get him to a spot where he can get some minutes. But it's like, if he's not on the court, how many of these teams are really going to be offering anything for him? So it's it's tough. I feel like if they were to at least give him some backup minutes in a game like tonight, maybe a show other people what he's available, what he has. But at the same time, I think anybody that trades for him knows who he is. I don't think there's any question mark of like, oh, who is Daniel Tice? But you got to imagine the guy is getting kind of frustrated. He played seven games last year for the Pacers and hasn't played since in the NBA. And it's like, it's not his fault he was dealt to a team with four centers. That's not what he signed up for. So got to figure the Pacers are going to look to find him a new home ASAP. All due respect to Daniel Tice at this point, I can't see him being anything more than salary filler in a, in a trade because no, we sure. talked about it earlier. Like when Memphis you know, lost Stephen Adams, it was like, whoa, okay. Where could Daniel Tice be on that list? If Tice isn't playing, period. He's on no one's list, and, and and it's unfortunate, but that's how it is. Is like if a team is, has a need for a center to that point, they're going to be looking for a center that's actually playing out there that can help them win. And, and Tice, I think, could help more teams win. But if you don't see him, it's hard to really be on someone's radar or expect really anything out of it, other than what could be potentially maybe a pick that doesn't ever conveys and, and taking back some other salary that maybe, I don't know, someone else just rides the bench at that point, but it, it's going to be tough. And I think that Tice is someone who we still haven't heard anything really about of like, he's been a professional, but at some point that's, that, that's going to wear on him a big time because he does still want to have value in this league and get a next contract. And at this point, it's really, you don't want to go on two years of really not playing. And I know we're only a couple games in, but I find it hard to believe that something's going to change when there's still so much unproven with Isaiah Jackson that you still want answers from. Yeah, that's a great point. It's it's just tough. And you feel bad for the guy. I mean, I really do. Yeah. Rick Carlisle can praise him all he wants for his Olympic gold medal that he got every time he talks about him. I mean, every time t- Carlisle talks about him, it's like, you know, we got an Olympic, you know, not a gold medalist, but you know, he won the gold for FIBA this year. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, sorry, I probably said that wrong. I'm, I'm, I apologize for that. But he did get the gold with Germany. And he, did. he played a pivotal role in them getting there. He had some really good games along the way. And they've talked about it a couple of different times, Carlisle has, about how he's been in consideration to get into the rotation. And it's just like, okay, you know, you don't have to say that, but – it's probably somewhat true. I don't think Rick would just lie about it, just to lie about it. But I don't understand why in a game like tonight, he doesn't even see the floor. But that's, that's where I'm at. Sa- save him the embarrassment, obviously, when you're down in the fourth like that. But it felt like in the third, it, second yeah. or third, maybe get him in there just to see if he can change anything up by adding an enforcer, a veteran presence, maybe someone that can kind of just go out there and do a little bit more than maybe what you're getting. But at the end of the day, this Celtics team is – top tier they're top three team in the nba and your pacers are hoping to make the playoffs i mean that's that's the difference between these two teams is the gap between the talent and the fact that they went out and got drew holiday it makes them now much better because drew holiday is kind of hot and cold when he's playing but when you got jason tatum going off like he did and then drew holiday doing what he does it's like 
when he made that three at the top of the key, I was like, good grief. If they're all hitting threes like this, Sam Hauser, I think he had five of seven off the bench. Yeah, he did. It, it's just insane. They were just lights out. Sometimes that's just how the cookie crumbles and the Pacers, unfortunately, were on the receiving end of a complete and total beatdown. You know, got a good old can of whoopee, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, and boy, that cookie crumbled tonight. All right, You couldn't take a bite out of that. It was all, all dust and crumbs at that point. But going back to your point on Daniel Tice, look, it's not like this was KG or Paul Pierce returning to the garden and, you know, you got to get him in there. But I felt like in the third quarter, just like you mentioned, Tice could have got a, a, a few minutes just to see, you know, all right, get out there. Let's, let's see. It's, you know, I mean, at that point, it's still like a 30-point game, but it's not a 50-point game. Um, and, and I think that would have been nice, but at the same point, look, I don't have a bone to pick with Rick over not playing Daniel Tice in this game. I think this was just, um, a very telling sign to say that, Hey, don't expect Tice in to make these appearances, especially if you have a healthy Jalen Smith, who's more than earned those minutes. And I think for Ajax, you look at it, you said, okay, all right, you know what? That he showed something tonight to, to an extent that you wouldn't say we can't play him again next time. So I don't think he did anything to say, you know what, next time we're switching it up, we're going Tice over Ajax. We'll wait. We'll see about that. But, yeah, to your point on Sam Hauser, I mean, it just felt like who wasn't making shots Mm -hmm. for Boston? In the end, it felt like, you know, I found myself just being like, look, get O'Shea a basket. He got one, and it was like, all right. And it was just like, I'm not going to root for the other team, but they do have a former pacer over there, and I like to see O'Shea in there. And, you know, he ended up getting some good run, looking at 20 minutes, you know, made a shot, hit two free throws, two steals, whatever. But this was one of those performances that was very easy to want to move on from. It was one of those where I texted Jesus to say, hey, you, you want to hop on right away so we could we could kind of get through this because I want to be able to move on. And I, I hoped that the team would have been able to say, all right, you know what, we really w- let one slip against Chicago. Let's come out fired up against Chicago uh, against uh, Boston. But I do feel there is this different feeling when Tyrese isn't out there. You might not believe as much, but on a night like tonight, I really just think – the Pacers, it wouldn't have mattered who was out there. Michael Jordan in his prime probably could have been out there. You're still probably losing by 20 instead of 50. So I, I just think this was a night that was easily not our night. I hope there's not another one of these, but there will be many more that are our night. I would be surprised if we have another loss this bad. This in season. the next 40 years, hopefully not, because the last one was in the 70s. I'm yeah. good going another 40 years without this. Yeah, I agree with you. It's tough to kind of see a game like this happen. And thankfully, I was only really able to watch the second half. I was trying to get caught up in the first half. I had some stuff Saved going yourself. on tonight. <laughs> and you're texting me the stats, and I was like, okay. I I did turn on uh, some YouTube to watch some first quarter, second quarter highlights. And, yeah, it wasn't great. So, I mean, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch everything to get more of a feel of it. But just watching the second half, man, it was, it was tough. I mean – they just played a bad game of basketball. There's nothing else you can really chalk up to it, but I will say this. It feels, once again, like we are too reliant upon our three-point shot being the focal point of our offense. And I don't know exactly how we we shift that and, and kind of become more balanced, but it definitely feels like Rick Carlisle is adamant 
that he wants to take a lot of threes. And even if you have good three-point shooters and they're not falling, you got to find different ways to score the basketball. They did a little bit more tonight. We talked about it, 72 points, I think, in the paint. But they just got to, I don't know, they just got to figure something out to get a little bit more simplified offensive looks for their guys that don't always result in, in, in getting a wide-open three. I think they need to really start thinking about ways to maybe, oh, let's get Turner in the post a little bit more. Yep. Let's see if we can get Matherin getting a curl for a mid-range jumper to get more of those kind of looks just to get guys going. Because if you're constantly shooting threes all the time, yeah, if you're hitting them, you're going to win. You're going to be in a lot of games. But if you're not, you're going to lose by 51 points. Yeah, this felt like the Houston Rockets of, I guess at this point, I don't know, maybe six, seven years ago, where lived and died by the three. And then everybody remembers when it came down to the playoffs, it mattered most. They missed like the last like 28 threes in that series against Golden State. They lost. You can't be too reliant on the three-point ball because we mentioned it, 17 of 83 over the last two games. I'm sorry, you're not going to beat anybody with those numbers. And a night like tonight, Boston had it going from three, polar opposite, just a, a massive difference. But here's where I'm happy in basketball. Sometimes people complain there's too many games. This isn't like football where you get beat this bad and all of a sudden you start to dwell on the whole season. I had people immediately tweeting at me, this is going to be a 29-win season. Is this the year that we fire you in the front office? It's like, guys, whoa. Uh, 48 hours ago, we were nearly 3-0. Like, let's, let's pump the brakes. <laughs> The, the hope this year was to be able to be roughly a 500 basketball team. Yeah. So that's what the Pacers are right now. They're 2-2. Two and two. They're a 500 basketball team. We have not seen the best of this team. Offensively, we saw some good stuff. Defensively, we got a long way to go. But you know what? Hey, the, the, the good thing is, is there's about 78 more games left in the season. You know, it could be a little bit more if we end up winning this playing tournament. But I don't want to get too carried away over here. So for now, 78 more games to go. I'm excited to move on to the next one and put this game in the past. Now, to be fair, I did have the Pacers at this point being 2-2 two and two on the season when we did our records earlier in the year. Remember when we predicted mm -hmm. them? However, I did pick them losing to Cleveland on the road and winning against yep. Chicago, so I got those flipped. But I think anybody, if you looked on paper at Boston, never felt like a win. So, I don't think anybody predicted that. It's just the the fashion in which they lost was such a disappointment, such a embarrassing type yeah. of situation. But you can't be mad about it. It is what it is. The Pacers lose this one. Whether they lose by one or 55, at the end of the day, a loss is a loss in the win-loss column. It doesn't matter how many you lose by. So if you take this game out of the stats, that'd probably be a smart thing to do when you're looking at your statistics. Uh, I would say kind of throw one of these games away just because it really doesn't line up with what they're doing offensively, defensively, because I can see them being one of the worst defensive teams now because of this yeah. amount of points they gave up. So small oh, yeah. sample size, water finds its level, Pacers back in action Friday night. First in-season tournament game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll see the new court. We'll see the new jerseys. You know, we didn't really get a chance to talk about that, so I guess that can be kind of a, a way we end this here, a little bit of a positive note. Thoughts on the court being blue with gold down the middle? Sometimes different is good, sometimes different isn't. I, I thought these weren't the Pacers' colors by any means. It was like a very, very light blue. I don't like know. An aqua what, color almost. Like I would say aqua is probably the best description on that. You know, 
didn't really seem like a lot of people liked it. At first, I was like, mm, that's different. And then I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. I like the fact that they are doing, trying to make this into something different. Like everybody having a new court, new jerseys for this. Okay, they're giving it a new feel to it. So let's just see how they look on the court with the new jerseys. But between the jerseys and the court, eh, I think we probably could have did a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, here's what I'll say. Like when I saw the court, I was like, wow. But you know what? I'm glad they did something like this because it, it stands out. It's a little bit different. Yeah. I actually like the indie in the middle of the court. I thought that looked pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe the people didn't like the font. I've seen some I've seen a lot of people hate on this. Yeah, I don't a lot, hate it that lot, much. A lot. I don't well, hate it that much. I'm not a big fan of the color scheme not really matching yeah. who we are. I think that's where I'm at. But it's like I was looking at some of these courts and I'm like, I don't even know who some of them were. Yeah. If you go through and look at all 30 of them, it's funny to me that Denver's looks more like Golden State than really anything. So I was kind of like, man, that looks like the Golden State court, but it's actually Denver. And I'm like, okay. So, yeah, it, it's different, but I love the Indy on the front uh, and the center court. I think that does look kind of cool. The color looks a little bit similar to what the Pacers' old logo used to be back in like the ABA days. Not the exact blue, but kind of similar to that. So, yeah, I'm fine with it. It's only going to be on the home court for two games out of the 80 or out of the 40, excuse me, 41, whatever. So just, like, relax. It's not that deep. They're trying to make the regular season mean a little bit more. It is super early in the season to try to make something like this matter to me. Probably would have been smarter to wait to, like, December. But at that point – you don't want to run into the all-star break and all that. It's just it's a weird thing to do. But overall, I love that they're going to do it Tuesdays and Fridays. You know, they play four games. That's it. You're going to see four games on these courts for the Pacers. Just relax. It's not that deep. I do think they had to make it drastically different early on yeah. because it is easy to overlook this at the fifth game of the season. To be like, oh, wait, like, oh, wow, I would have missed it if it, the court was exactly, you know, whatever. The average fan probably would have missed it if the court was exactly the same and the jerseys were the same, but they were just saying, well, this is a, you know, the, the in season tournament. It's like, okay, you got to do something that stands out. And that's definitely what they did, whether it's good or bad, you had to stand out. And I think this is going to take some time to get used to and all that. And they are really pushing this. We'll see if the players care enough. I know it's a totally different, you know, topic, but like, this is the first year that they really tried to enforce, you know, star players playing more. So far, Phoenix has guys sitting out. I just feel like the the, the Sixers had it with James Harden. Like, do you, what's your thoughts on that so far? Of like, do you think this is going to work with them resting players less because they have to? I mean, they can try. I think it'll be better for more nationally televised games. Maybe not for. Yeah, everybody's sitting out all the time. I mean, you're still going to have your scheduled rest days. Like, I think Joel Embiid was potentially going to miss one of the the games they had on Sunday, I think it was, for rest. And I saw a lot of fans mad about that because it was, like, questionable rest. I think he ended up playing the game, so it didn't really matter. But I I get it if you're trying to, like, monitor stuff on back-to-backs. Like, I know Jonathan Isaac, right? He set out in back-to-back and a back-to-back with Orlando. But, like, the dudes had injuries every single year. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So if there's guys that have injury problems and I have no problem with it, I really do think Bradley Beal is hurt. Devin Booker, same thing. I do think they're both actually injured because I think they've missed two games in a row. So that's not a good sign. Yeah, and I think Booker might have missed three games, I think. Okay. 
Yeah, I can't remember what their record is. I just know last night that game on Tuesday night was crazy. Yeah, that was the steal Spurs, from Durant, man. Keldon Johnson. That was the guy. Cool. I, I I I always love me some Keldon Johnson. Oh, claim it tonight, huh? Claim it tonight. That I, you're I a Keldon him. Johnson guy. I, I I've always been a Keldon Johnson guy. Always. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I brought him up in trades. You know the fake trades that we've made over here. Obviously, the Pacers never pulled the trigger, but real good player, game winning play. I, I just think that the Spurs are going to be becoming that team that you know, due to the spotlight on Victor Wembanyama, people are going to be keeping an eye on them, and it's cool to see them go from you know at the bottom to like you just know they're going to be building something. They're going to surround Victor with the right players, and I think that was cool for a team that coming to this year had really no expectations to then beat the team with yeah. all the expectations. Yeah, no, it was a great moment. It was really cool to see. I didn't stay up for the game. I was actually asleep by 9.30 on Tuesday yeah. night. So <laughs> thank God for that. But with that being said, Fachi, I, I'm kind of excited that this game is over. Me too. We're moving on. I'll be in the building for the first in-season tournament game, so I'm hey. excited to see what hey. that's like. Try to get some pictures of the court for everybody that, you know, just from my vantage point and, let you all know what it looks like if you aren't able to make it there in person. But if you are there in person, come by, say hi, let me know, you know, who you are. Cause sometimes I don't recognize everybody. You know, I see people on Twitter. I don't recognize who they are in person. So if I happen to be like, Hey, who are you? You know, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying like, tell me your Twitter handle so I can put a, put an avatar with a face. You know, I just want to make sure that I'm getting to know everybody that I can. But with that being said, fan of the week segment is back tomorrow. Fachi with some Pacers trivia going to have to make those questions a lot more simple. If you listen to today's episode, easier, I, might nice have, I might have given you a question Ooh. from today's episode. Ooh, maybe so keep you that did. in mind. Okay? I think you could, I, think you could I know what that question is. Yeah, yeah, you might even have two of them from today's episode on the quiz. But so you got to tune in. You got to tune in to even the losses to, to make sure you get the easy answers for the, for the quiz here. But with that being said, Fachi, go ahead and tell the people where they can please find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast where this video will be available for you to watch if you're just eager to hear our thoughts on the Pacers getting fought by the Boston Celtics. But if you're ready to put this one behind us, looking forward to the new court in person with the new jerseys and taking down the Cleveland Cavaliers once again for the first in-season tournament game in Pacers franchise history, then Fachi, hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.